Our reading this morning is from the Palestinian-American poet Naomi Shihab Nye, a short reading, a short essay called Wandering Around an Albuquerque Airport Terminal. After learning my flight was detained four hours, I heard the announcement. If anyone in the vicinity of gate 4A understands any Arabic, please come to the gate immediately. Well, one pauses these days. (laughs) Gate 4A was my own gate. I went there. An older woman in full traditional Palestinian dress, just like my grandma wore, was crumpled to the floor, wailing loudly. Help, said the flight service person. Talk to her. What is her problem? We told her the flight was going to be four hours late, and she did this. I put my arm around her and spoke to her haltingly. Shudawa, shu biduk, habibti, stani, stani, shwe, min fadlik, shu bit siwi. The moment she heard any words she knew, however poorly used, she stopped crying. She thought our flight had been canceled entirely. She needed to be in El Paso for some major medical treatment the following day. I said, no, no, we're fine. You'll get there just late. Who is picking you up? Let's call him and tell him. We called her son, and I spoke with him in English. I told him I would stay with his mother till we got on the plane and would ride next to her. She talked to him. Then we called her other sons just for the fun of it. Then we called my dad, and he and she spoke for a while in Arabic and found out, of course, they had ten friends in common. (laughs) Then I thought, just for the heck of it, why not call some Palestinian poets I know and let them chat with her? This all took up about two hours. (laughs) She was laughing a lot by then, telling about her life, answering questions, She had pulled a sack of homemade mamul cookies, these little powdered sugary crumbly mounds stuffed with dates and nuts. She pulled those out of her bag and was offering them to all the women at the gate. To my amazement, not a single woman declined one. It was like a sacrament. The traveler from Argentina, the traveler from California, the lovely woman from Laredo, we were all covered with the same powdered sugar. And smiling, there were no better cookies. Then the airline broke out the free beverages from a huge cooler, non-alcoholic, and the two little girls from our flight, one African-American, one Mexican-American, ran around serving us all apple juice and lemonade, and they were covered with powdered sugar, too. And I noticed my new best friend, by now we were holding hands, I noticed she had a potted plant poking out of her bag, some medicinal thing with green, furry leaves. Such an old country traveling tradition. Always carry a plant. Always stay rooted to somewhere. And I looked around that gate of late and weary ones and thought, this is the world I want to live in. The shared world. Not a single person in this gate once the crying of confusion stopped, has seemed apprehensive about any other person.
They took the cookies. I wanted to hug all those other women too. This can still happen anywhere. Not everything is lost. I know, right? Like that reading, even when I read it, um, it touches something really deeply. So let's stay there for a minute. I want you to imagine yourselves at, at gate 4A. You've been in airports, right? Most of us have been in airports. You know how, how airports are. People just busy and walking by and carrying their stuff. And if they're at the gate, they're on their phones or on their laptops or they've spent too much money on a lunch that they're wiping off their face. And no one's really making eye contact or looking at each other. And if the plane's been delayed, then there's a line behind the service counter and people on their phones angry or pleading or updating family members. So imagine yourself at gate 4A. And suddenly this woman screams and collapses to the ground. You look up, curious, maybe scared. If you have kids, they definitely stop what they're doing and they look. They're not embarrassed or ashamed. They're like, something's going on. And the wailing continues and you don't want to be rude, so you sort of watch out of the corner of your eye, maybe pretending nothing's happening. And then that's when the announcement comes over the speaker. If anyone in the vicinity of gate 4A understands any Arabic, please come to the gate immediately. And you pause. Maybe in that moment you think about this story that was just in the Star Tribune this week about an airline pilot that trapped himself in the airplane's bathroom. Somehow he went... He needed to take a bathroom break. He went in, the door jammed, the handle broke. He was stuck in the bathroom on the plane. It was a small flight. And so FAA rules were two people had to be in the cockpit at one time. So the stewardess, only one stewardess on the flight, went in with the co-pilot and locked the door behind her. So the pilot stuck in the bathroom, banging on the door, trying to get his colleague's attention. And someone on the plane heard this and got up and said, hey, what's going on? Can I help? And he said, I'm stuck in the bathroom. The door's jammed. Will you tell my colleagues what's going on so they don't worry? And here's the password for the cockpit. So, like, they'll know you're not, you know, a terrorist or something. Like, you have the password. You can tell them what's going on so they'll not freak out. He knocked on the cockpit door. He explained what was going on. He even gave the password. But the co-pilot refused to open the door because the man, and and as the paper reported, had a thick Middle Eastern accent. It ended okay. The pilot somehow broke through the bathroom door, and he quickly assured his co-pilot and the stewardess that everything was fine, that the man with an accent was just trying to help. And so that announcement's on the loudspeaker. If anyone in the vicinity of gate 4A understands any Arabic, please come to the gate immediately. And despite the goodness in our hearts, surely we would pause at that moment. We might have some fear circulating. And so you watch this woman approach the gate. She bends to speak to this collapsed woman who is weeping and wailing, and everyone's paying attention. Now children, adults, everyone's staring. What's happening? What's going on? Is a family member dead? Is there something going on here nationally? What is going on? And then the woman stops crying. And soon there's laughter. And before long, these incredible powdered cookies, these mamul cookies are being passed out, and you're swept up into this joyous party at gate Four A and children are dancing and skipping around, handing out juice. 
Thich Nhat Hanh. Thich Nhat Hanh, the Buddhist writer and thinker, he says that the miracle is not to walk on water, but to walk on the earth, on the green earth, dwelling deeply in the present moment and feeling truly alive. So as I imagine myself at gate 4A, perhaps as we imagine ourselves at gate 4A, the miracle is not to fly through the air, reclining in chairs at 35,000 feet on our laptops or our Kindles, miraculous as that is. The true miracle is how our spirits soar from the simplest of gestures, the simplest of gifts how our spirits soar when an ordinary space is turned into a joyous party, a metaphorical table that everyone gathers around. And the miracle is that this can still happen anywhere. Not a single person at the gate, once the crying of the confusion stopped, seemed apprehensive about any other person. They took the cookies And the cookies, a sacrament, a sacrament they are called, a sign of grace, a gift that created a sacred moment that turned the dull, dingy seating area at 4A, we've been to 4A before, (laughs) turned it into a beloved community, into holy ground, into the kingdom of heaven, made it heaven on earth. And who knew that heaven on earth could be found in an Albuquerque terminal? Surely this text from Naomi Shihab Nye is a sacred text. Can't you just imagine this kind of story coming out of the Hebrew scriptures or the Christian scriptures or the Quran or Buddhist teachings? Can't you just imagine Jesus saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. No, wait. Wait a second. The kingdom is actually like some mamul cookies being shared at gate 4A. Have you had those kinds of moments, those moments with community and food and surprise, those moments where the ordinary, the routine just dissolves and you catch a glimpse of what's possible in maybe every moment if we but turn toward it? Have you had those kind of moments in your life. You can nod if you have. Yes. It's a mystical moment. It's a powerful moment. It's a moment of joy, a moment of union, of seeing ourselves as a part of the larger human family. Four years ago, four years ago, I went to the Boundary Waters with three other guys. I was good friends with one of them. But the other two, the other two, I would say they were fives on the friendship scale of one to ten. Um, I knew them, but not well, and I wouldn't say we were good friends. But that all changed during the second night that we were there. We had finished dinner, we had done the cleanup, and the stars were coming out. There was a fire ban in the Boundary Waters during that time, but that didn't stop us from gathering around the fire pit nonetheless 
and we lit a candle and put it in a little candle lantern and then put the lantern in the middle of the fire pit. And then one of the guys heated up some water for tea. It was a sweet tea. I don't remember the name, but it was really good. And the hot mugs in our hands felt really good. And as we sipped the tea, the same guy pulled out of his stash of stuff a big package of cinnamon graham crackers that he had brought with him, and he passed those around. Dunk them, he said. Dunk them in the tea. It's the best. He was right. (laughs) These soggy, warm cinnamon graham crackers just melting in our mouths, it was remarkable. So we sat there, wrapped in our sleeping bags, gathered around this single candle in the fire pit, dunking graham crackers. And then in that near darkness, in a way that our ancestors surely would have recognized, we talked about our lives, sharing our worlds, going deep with one another. By the end of the trip, I would say we were close to best friends. That night in the Boundary Waters, that night with my friends, I was reminded that the real miracle is not really the virgin birth. The real miracle is that any of us were born at all. The real miracle that I felt that night was the deep fellowship, the fact that we were together, this collection, each of us, a collection of living stardust sitting underneath the stars. What is the kingdom of heaven like? Where is it found? How is it activated? For the early Christian communities, table fellowship, the sharing of food, was central to their identity. They had meals in which everyone, prostitutes and tax collectors, outcasts, men and women, came together. They said, everyone can come to this party, to this meal. And in doing that, they practiced the kind of world they wanted to see. What is the kingdom of heaven like? Where is it found? How is it activated? I'll tell you, I've seen glimpses of the kingdom of heaven at Occupy Minneapolis and in the Occupy Wall Street movement in general. And yes, it's been lots of different places, but I've noticed it most around the food. Many of these Occupy sites, as you may or may not know, they have a kitchen or a food area, and the food is available to everyone. As one of the guys I spoke to at Occupy Minneapolis said, we feed anyone who's hungry. We take care of the homeless folks. We give them food and a visit with the medic. It's like this country's supposed to be, he said. We take care of each other. Many of the Occupy communities are living out their message of creating a new way, a new economy, a new vision, and they invite everyone to that table. And I wondered as I wrote this, what would it be like if some of us made some food or brought some food down to the plaza, the people's plaza, and engaged, had a conversation, shared a meal? What is the kingdom of heaven like? Where is it found? How is it activated? Does it come into being by the simplest of gifts, the simplest of gestures? 
Surely the kingdom of heaven is more than mamul cookies, more than graham crackers, more than food. But perhaps food is the catalyst, the reminder. Eat this. Drink this. Remember. Remember that this food was prepared by hands much like your own. That this food holds the mysteries and energies of sun and rain, soil, life, and death. Remember and give thanks. Perhaps shared food in a circle of humanity reminds us that we are all children of the universe, children of the same God, despite language and gender and class and anything else that would separate us. We all need to eat, and it's better to eat together. Maybe the kingdom of heaven is always here and not quite here, waiting to be born at gate 4A, waiting to be born in the boundary waters, waiting to be born in our neighborhoods, our communities, the world. And the miracle, the miracle is that in the oddest of places and ways, it comes alive, this kingdom, again and again. And so... As many of you find yourselves in airport terminals, in rest stops on the road in the coming days, as many of you find yourselves gathered around tables this Thursday with guests and new family members, friends and strangers, remember the world you want to live in, this shared world where we can welcome each other to the table without apprehension, where we laugh and hold hands and find ourselves part of the human family once again. Remember that this can still happen anywhere. Remember, not everything is lost. Happy Thanksgiving. I love you. Amen.